Go ahead. Way from the beginning? Yeah. Badger cast number 64, Napad Pomo, day 10. Straight from southeastern Wisconsin, bringing you your slice of Badgerland, welcome to BadgerCast. And now your host, Julie and Dale. Hey, a freak show! Welcome to BadgerCast, your slice of Wisconsin. I'm Dale. And I'm Julie. And today is Saturday, the 10th day of November. It is, and it's such a gorgeous day outside in the 60s, partly sunny. Wisconsin. And what are we doing inside? We're podcasting. I was already outside. Oh, I was outside too. I sat, uh, took uh, number two son to a basketball scrimmage, which turned out to be like four hours of sitting on a bench in bleachers for me. Poor you. My butt fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. So So what do you want to talk about today? Uh, this letter that I found on Facebook, which I think the whole country needs to read, whatever they are, Republican, Democrat, moderate, liberal, whatever you name yourself, you need to, to read it. And I will go through parts of this, not the whole letter. It's um, published. We'll put it out on. Put a link in the notes. Yeah. It's um, published in the Emergency Medicine News. And it's written by a Michael E. Jacobson D.O., who is an emergency physician. I'm not, where is it here? He says he's a graduate of Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences and the Emergency Medicine Residency at Henry Ford Macomb Hospital in Warren, Michigan. Um, And he's living in Omaha with a wife and four children. And he starts off with uh, Dear America. I'm an emergency physician with an apolitical message in this rather politically charged, polarized time in our country. I have worked for some time in this profession and have noticed a disturbing trend about which I must speak out, the growing number of emergency department scenarios in which the selfishness and entitlement of those without real emergencies drown out the quiet suffering of those in real need. This morning, a middle-aged woman came into the emergency room in cardiac arrest. ACLS was performed to keep her alive. Other patients were in the ED before she even arrived, certainly with what they felt were emergencies, but treatments for these individuals were placed on hold as this event took precedence. After 75 minutes of continual heroic measures and life-saving interventions, with her grief-stricken husband crying, holding her hand for the last time and stroking her face, she died. This was no movie, no reality TV show. This was as real as it gets, real life and real death. Family huddled around the bed to say their goodbyes and wish they or we could have done more. I walked into my office emotionally drained and exhausted and from across the emergency department another patient, upset that she had to wait, spoke out brashly in tones that carried to every room in the department. Quote, I know someone's dying and all, but I'm in real pain here, end quote. What most of America don't know is the emergency department staff are graded with a nationally-based report card by hospital administration. A survey is sent only to those discharged from the ED, not to those who actually needed admission to the hospital for an emergency, or to those, like this new widower, whose loved one passed. This survey is a customer service tool used to see if people like coming to our ED and ask whether we did a good job. The ED staff know this survey is skewed because of the population to which it is sent and is certainly not the only tool hospital administrators use to evaluate us. 
that is a topic for another time. Uh, let's see. He goes on um, saying that the real-life emergencies are rarely graded or surveyed. Um, the surveys um, only go to the, to the folks that go home or sent home, and that's for your, your basic everyday stuff that can, could be treated outside of the emergency setting, but patients, for whatever reason, come to the ED for instead. Um, even the people who come from jail or are in police custody get these type of surveys, and it, it is skewed. It, it's a very, very skewed process. Um, he goes on, and he mentions... Um, the widower and his wife were also in need of care and financial aid. Um, he, he says that he was gracious. Um, he and his family were very thankful. The, they had to listen to d the screamer lady in all of this, and they never really rose back against that, according to this article. He goes on to say that he believes uh, we live in a society of rewarding mediocrity because everything um, is about fairness and equality. Um, where is his quote here? Everyone is special. Nobody is. Everyone should get a prize for participating. And even though Johnny didn't win, we are going to give him a trophy for trying because he's special too. Competition is bad because there is a winner and a loser, and that's not fair. This, is fundament this fundamentally wrong notion breeds false equality and ultimately false fairness and entitlement. We do no one a favor by preaching this. We are lazy parents if we can't find a constructive way to celebrate the winner and help our, help our children to be happy for him, and, for him. Instead, we have chosen an easier road to make all things fair and equal. I disagree with his statement in the fact that it's, it's mom and dad's job there. I think it's a society's job and whatever level because, let's have, face it, there is no normal family anymore. The, the nuclear family that we all grew up with as mom, dad, brother, or brothers and sisters, grandparents, whatever, isn't out there anymore. You have single-parent families. You have families with two moms or families with two dads, and there's nothing wrong with that. We all work together for the same goal in raising kids. But it's not because your mom and dad didn't do it. It may start with mom and dad, but if society doesn't expect those same behaviors mom and dad can talk to their blue in the face kids and people being brought into the society learn a hell of a lot more from what goes on around them than they do from at home where i i i think we and and this elections kind of seem to show that we're a very divided country we have this idea that we're right, and the other guy is wrong, whether or not that's ob objectively true. We and it may be, but the, the it isn't this way or this way. The answer is somewhere in the flipping middle, right? Which everybody ignores. Correct. So, not to be, not to change the subject, but. I think at, now that we've gotten to the point where we're so divisive that we can't, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to fall off the real cliff, or we're going to figure out a way to get back together. And part of that, hopefully, is to, to remember some of those 
societal norms that we used to take for granted, like well, respect and compassion and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. All right. We need to get back to basics there. Now, he, now I'll, I'll get off my rant. Hold on. He goes on to say stuff that he needed to use government services and stuff, put himself through school and this, that and the other thing. Um, and he, he gets a little too Preacher. derogatory towards this woman. I don't disagree that she may be in pain. And people are in pain for a lot of different things. But when, when, I'm, when I am stressed and somebody's telling me they need this, they need that, 90% of the time if I tell them, I have a patient who's not breathing, who doesn't have a heartbeat, and I will be with you as soon as we get done with this, or I'm making my rounds because everybody else is stuck with that. I shouldn't say stuck, but everybody else is treating that patient who needs immediate assistance now. No ifs, ands, or buts. If we don't treat them, they're not here. You, by the way, are sitting there, and you are still breathing, and you still are stable. And I will do my best to help the rest of the, the unit while they deal with that. Most people will say, oh, yeah, that is more important. I'm like, yes. Much of the time, it's telling or informing or educating the people in the department at the time. As to what's going on. We're not ignoring you. We're treating somebody who unfortunately at that point in time has to come first. And that's, that's a basic thing in life. There are things that take precedence over it, something else. It ain't all about you. Right. And one person, and I've, I have never said this, but I know somebody else has said it to another patient... What if it was you? What if you were the one in that room, not breathing, without a pulse, and the other person was over there pulling me away, bitching and moaning and complaining because they didn't get their whatever? They're like, they sit back. They, they took a step back, and they, they didn't really say much, but you could see that just blank look go across their face where they finally got it. You could even say it this way. At some point, it will be you. And... If, if things continue no, the no, no, way I they mean, are... No, but some way, someday, we all die. So someday it will be you that is dying mm-hmm. and needs attention. You're right. Will be. His last paragraph says, frankly, our government cannot fix this. They cannot mandate a solution to this, and they cannot legislate against this, nor should they. The solution to selfishness and entitlement can only be fixed with a mother and a father who know how to model character, teaching a child that work is hard and rewarding, that life is not fair and never will be, and that the freedoms you enjoy in this life are because someone else paid the price. Get up and get fixing. Now, the overall gist of that paragraph... I agree with the, it goes back to what I said before to blame it on mom and dad. I don't agree. I think again, together we need to fix it together. We need to say and support each other in making those strides. Yes. As a culture, we need to get back to fixing it. 
Mm-hmm. All right. And people need to know, I need to remember, need to remember that you may start with one idea and the other person may start with one idea, but when all said and done, those two ideas became something in the middle. I, I'm really hard-pressed to think that the people that sat down and wrote the Declaration of Independence came in with... Oh, they fought tooth they and fought nail. tooth yeah. and nail, and, but they still found a way to work it out. And then they went f- back to fighting tooth and nail. But the point is that they signed something, mm-hmm. and they put it down, and they said, this is the way it is, and I'm not going to like it 100%. You're not going to like it 100%, but we're going to deal. Right. So So we need to remember what we've based this country on. A deal. A deal. So let's get It was back a compromise. And compromise. Mm-hmm. So for all you people that hold important office as our representatives, get back and deal. Yep. Now I'm done with my rant. <laughs> Good. And that's the show. Okay. If you want to talk back about this, which I'd love, you can get a hold of us at 262-649-8550. You can get a hold of us by email at thebadgercast at gmail.com. And you can find Dale and myself on Twitter and Facebook. Have a good afternoon. See you tomorrow. out here alone, just trying to get home. To tell you I was wrong, but you already know. Love ever after